This is Clayton for Podcast Radio Business. We're joined by Donna Lindsay, Strategic Market Lead, Environment and Sustainability at Ordnance Survey. And we're here to discuss mapping tech that could restore trust in the carbon credit industry and could be worth billions. Thank you for joining us, Donna. Nice to be here, Clayton. Thank you. Donna, please tell us more about your role at Ordnance Survey. My role at Ordnance Survey is to really look at where we can help using our core skills. So we're, we're location experts, essentially. We, we do the mapping for the UK. We look after, you know, billions of data points that, that can actually really help people understand how they move around the UK, but also how they can look after the UK. And so that's what we've really been doing is trying to understand how we can use those particular skill sets to help us with some of the climate challenges we're just about to face. Can you explain how carbon offsetting works and why it has become a booming global industry worth billions? Carbon offsetting is really interesting. It's quite challenging for some people, um, as you would have seen in in a lot of the media. It has positive and negative press. But actually, it's really, really important to help us to get to that net zero ambition that we have globally. And the reason why it's important is because we have a lot of particularly nature-based solutions that need a lot of investments to get them to become these carbon sinks. So to absorb the carbon from the atmosphere and actually hold it and retain it as well. So, um, and a lot of industry, they they want to transition to the net zero economy and they want to make sure they reduce their emissions, but we need to give a transition profile for that. Otherwise the economic shock would be huge. So we need to enable people to offset their carbon emissions whilst we go through this transition to net zero and encourage the technologies and capabilities to come alongside us. Now, the project, the pilot project we've been doing in the North of England is really to help us understand how we can match what's required for nature-based restoration activities and to enable these areas to become carbon sinks again with private finance and what needs to happen to make sure we've got the trust back into the system. As you would be aware, Clayton, there's been issues around greenwashing where people are concerned that their money's going into something that doesn't deliver green results. So it's like, how can we provide that trust back into the system? How can we make sure we've got objective overviews as to what's going on? And that's what this project's really been about, is taking a large site called Hatfield up near Doncaster, which is vast. It's it's over a thousand football fields. (laughs) Wow. Okay, so it's a big landscape piece. And what we want to do is to, to enable them to really understand what's going on there in terms of the current nature of peatland. Where is our start point? So that's where we bring in all of our mapping capability, our ability to, to pull in new data sets like hyperspectral data, which enables us to see all different species of vegetation and satellite data as well to really get that really um, long-term view as to what's going on with the land. And we pull all that together into a system where we do machine learning applications, but also to enable us to create a baseline that we can then onward monitor. And what that does is it gives not only the landowner and the restoring party an understanding of actually what's there and what's happening, but also for the investor too. So it gives them a degree of transparency so they know what's happening with the site, so they know that their investment is going in the right direction. And if it's not, they can challenge early because these investments need to happen for about 30 years. So they don't want to get towards the end of the 30 years and find that actually it's not gone in the right direction. <laughs> so we're helping them visualise all that sort of stuff. Excellent. There is also quite a heavy scientific futuristic element to this. And I was reading this and I'm trying to understand this geospatial technology, Earth observation from space Mm. and AI all play a role in this pilot scheme. It all sounds like aliens. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think the easiest way to think about this is when, when we talk about geospatial data, we're essentially talking about a digital form of mapping. 
Okay, so if you think about ordnance survey in its traditional sense. You know, we people know us for our paper-based maps, but actually that's a very small percentage of what we actually do. A lot of our mapping is digital, and that's what we call geospatial technology. So we bring all this data into digital forms um, so that we can do analytics on the data. But also what we're doing is we're pulling in other capabilities and technologies such as hyperspectral data, which is more than what we can see with our eyes. It's all the things that, that's like, you know, in, in the electromagnetic spectrum, you know, that sort of stuff like that. So we're pulling all that intelligence in too. And we're also pulling in data insights from satellites. So that's your Earth observation component. So we're doing everything from your boots on the ground all the way through to using satellites that are 800 kilometers up in space to pull all these insights together. And then we do machine learning on it. So we train the models to understand, you know, the different vegetation types that we know help sequest and protect the peat. Okay, they, so, so they sequest the carbon back into the peatland. So we can monitor those vegetation types using all these different capabilities, you know, from now and going forwards as well. You mentioned earlier about trust. Yeah. And the issues around trust and greenwashing. How does the pilot scheme aim to restore that trust in the carbon offsetting sector? Because obviously there are issues like with anything in life. How does the pilot scheme help with that? I think that's where it's become really interesting. So as you'll be aware, Ordnance Survey has been around a very long time. So we've been going since the 1790s and, and we've been innovating all that time too. So we're not, you know, we, we, we use all sorts of different, different technologies now. But, but that's interesting in itself because the, you know, we have been trusted to do this for a very, very long time. We know how to map the land incredibly well at really high accuracies. It's used to underpin billions of pounds worth of activity in the UK. We are known to be good at this. So that comes with its own form of credibility and trust that, that people are beginning to say, well, actually, we need people who can be objective, who do this well to actually observe and report on what's going on on the land. And that's where your trust starts coming back into the system, because we are the objective oversight. You know, we, we say this is what we see happening on the land. And that enables people to then react to that information. So it's not our job to say if it's if it's good or bad. We're just saying, look, there's a change here. And it's compared to the metrics we are measuring is going in one direction or the other. And that gives the investor the ability to say, actually, I want to make sure that this is being challenged now before it's too late. The other thing about all of this stuff is that it needs to be done for a long time. So these investments are about 30 years worth of investments. So you need to have somebody who you've got confidence is going to be around for 30 years. And hopefully our duration gives people that confidence that, that we will be around in another 30 years. In terms of the business aspect of it, I mentioned in the opening that the carbon credit industry mm. is worth billions. Can you give us an idea of where those billions are assigned and who benefits from that? Yes. So the peatlands in the UK, for example, our peatlands can potentially hold about 5 billion tonnes of carbon. Okay, And at the moment, you know, that, that covers about 12% of our UK land mass. 80% of those are degraded. Okay, So we need to invest in those to stop them emitting carbon um, right from the offset. But actually to restore all of those sites is going to cost 21 billion pounds. So that's where we need that private investment. We need that investment to come in now to actually help us start restoring these sites so that they don't get any worse. They become carbon sinks again rather than carbon emitters, because then they can actually help us as the UK get to our net zero targets as well. So we need that sort of level of investment to come in. Now, the UK government is putting some money behind this, but it's nowhere near 
the amount of money that's necessary to, to get us back to full restoration um, status. So that's where that money would come in. But benefits for investors are that, you know, carbon trading, you know, the carbon market is going to change going forward. So if they invest now, they can actually sell these things on later on if they need to. But also there are massive benefits for society. You know, we end up creating these, these, these new habitats again, you know, restoring these large scale sites, you know, Hatfield, the pilot site is actually a big reserve that's owned by Natural England. You know, we're trying to get it back to that massive habitat that is hugely beneficial for all sorts of wildlife and nature and humans. You know, people, we like going to these sites, you know, it helps us as well. So it has multiple benefits, you know, and actually if we become leaders in this in the UK, these are all exportable skills. So, you know, not only do we lead lead the, the way in terms of how do you make this work, how do you make sure it works for a maximum amount of people from citizens through to business, and you can export that skill set overseas too. So you're effectively saying that by getting involved in this, this is an opportunity for businesses mm. to get in on the ground floor, if you like. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, if they get in now, then they can actually be really seen in a positive light. Citizens are really now challenging companies to make sure they're doing the right things, um, you know, for people, planet and profits. So so it's about how do you get on that ground for making sure you're doing the right thing, making sure you start on that transition journey, but also get that co-benefit of actually enabling to secure the carbon credits at the cost they are now, rather than buying them in 30 years time when they're going to be really expensive. The UK has a target of achieving net zero emissions by 2050. Mm. How does the restoration of the peatlands align with the UK's target? They are really, really significant carbon sinks. So they can take a big chunk off of the requirement to meet net zero. So if you look at Hatfield, for example, that um, if we were to restore that, getting it working again as a carbon sink, it could enable the whole of Hatfield to be net zero for the next 30 years. I mean, that's the sort of scale we're talking about here. Now, we we want people to transition at the same time. So we don't expect people to say, right, I'm just going to carry on as normal um, and then just plow all the money back into this. It's not going to work that way. <laughs> we all need to do our bit. <laughs> um, but, it, but it helps us on that journey. You know, we can, you know, save, you know, significant percentages of time and carbon emissions just by doing nature-based restoration activities. So that's not just peatlands, although peatlands are massive. You know, it's your woodlands as well. It's looking at your kelp forests. It's looking at your mangroves, all that sort of stuff. Um, Nature can be a huge friend and ally in the space so long as we enable it to be so. And that's what these type of things are are about. So, um, So just by, if you look at the government are banning the use of compost in peat for retail next year. Just by doing that is the equivalent of taking, I think it's something like 350,000 cars off the road. You know, it's that type of scale of stuff we're talking about. What other types of degraded ecosystems could benefit from this carbon offsetting investment? There are many. So the government's particularly keen on um, woodlands at the moment, planting and restoring woodlands. So there's a lot of woodland grant activity because they are seen to sequest carbon as well. You've got the more challenging areas of marshlands, you know, it's like sea, sea marshlands, that sort of stuff like that. They are quite hard to manage and monitor, but we're, you know, everybody's looking at that at the moment. You've got your kelp forests, you know, they're fantastic ways of sequestering carbon. Mangroves, you know, it, it, it just goes on and on and on. Nature can be a huge vendor. And actually, you know, transforming the way we do agriculture can be really significant too. So you would have no doubt heard of regenerative agriculture. Yes. It's changing yes. the practices to enable our soils to recover and then come back into carbon sinks too. How do you envision the future in terms of Ordnance Survey 
and the technology and where we could be with this if people really get behind it? If people get behind this, it enables us, as I was suggesting in the beginning, to be that objective oversight. So we're no longer just passively mapping and saying this is what's here. We're actually ingesting loads of different data types into these systems to enable us to, to monitor policy impacts, to monitor you know, what happens when one thing happens over here. So if you build a site over here, what happens? And, and it removes that siloization that we've had going on. So if you take water companies, for example, a lot of that is because, you know, we've got planning going on over here, you know, they're building new developments, but it's not integrating with the systems. And so we end up with all these other impacts. So what I would love to see is these type of systems being able to remove those boundaries, see the planet as a system of systems, which it is, to enable us to make those no regret decisions. So we don't end up with all these sort of like strange sort of barriers and and limited understanding of our impact that's fascinating so where can our podcast radio business listeners go to for more information if your listeners want more information then if they go to the ordnance survey website and type in sustainability all of the projects that we're working on are listed under there Um, we're trying to to assess what we as you know experts in location can actually bring to support Um, these challenges around nature, sustainability, the environment, because we really want to enable people to live sustainable lives and to make sure we're living in an environment that we are all happy with. It's going to be a huge challenge. So we've got a number of projects really trying to focus into those areas at the moment. Donna Lindsay, Strategic Market Lead, Environment and Sustainability at Ordnance Survey. Thank you for joining us on Podcast Radio Business. Thank you very much, Clayton. It's lovely to be here. You're most welcome.